Amen. Thank you, Winter. Great thought. Great job. Great song. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Jesus' miracles were incredible. But who He was as a person is even more incredible. And the most incredible individual who ever walked the face of our planet loves you. What a great reason to choose Jesus. Amen? you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one near you. It's got a hard black cover. We will be on page 497. If you would pick that up and follow along, it would be a great thing. I, I really appreciated our revival meetings. I uh, appreciate Brother Michael and uh, the way God is using him, not just in his life, but the way he uses him when he comes here. I was really proud of you as a congregation. I saw so many of you make a lot of effort to be here and to not just be here, to come with a heart to hear and to respond. And uh, I so appreciate that. For those of you who did so, it was a great, great week. Uh, when I spoke last on a Sunday morning, which at this point was three weeks ago, we finished up a 31-week series on things that Jesus exclusively said to His disciples. This morning, I want to begin a new Sunday morning series that I've entitled Great Truths Communicated with Simple Words. Profound things are best understood by most of us when they are communicated through the vehicle of simplicity. When complex things are communicated with difficult words, they are often misunderstood or not understood at all. God makes sure that all the things that matter most to Him are communicated to us simply, and He usually repeats them often for additional clarity and emphasis. The fact that the Bible are the words of God, uh, the Creator's revelation of Himself. Uh, listen, that is very clear and it is often repeated. The fact that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, who died sacrificially for our sins on the cross is very clear. It is oft repeated. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth rising bodily from the dead after three days to conquer death is very clear and oft repeated. Salvation being by grace through faith in Christ instead of by good works or religion is very clear and often repeated. Our Creator being holy, righteous, and just as well as being loving and kind and merciful is very clear and often repeated. The existence of a literal place called heaven with God and the literal place called hell with fire is very clear and often repeated. In fact, anyone who believes differently uh, than Bible Baptist Church and historical biblical Christianity teaches on those issues, they're just, quite frankly, they are rejecting the obvious. Now, Christians who follow Jesus' example and the example of the New Testament believe the Bible to be the final authority on any issue on which it speaks. And while a few people here may use different Bibles, we don't screen people at the door, uh, all of our preaching, all of our teaching, all of the literature we distribute, distribute is from the King James Bible, and we do that, uh, it's on purpose, it's not just thoughtlessly done. The Bible is not a secondary issue uh, to us. Uh, we don't do that. Uh, because uh, that was the Bible our godly grandparents used, though if you had godly grandparents, they used that Bible. We don't do that because English was at its greatest form at 
that time in history or because the King James Bible is regarded by many as being the greatest work of English literature ever written. We, we don't do that. We do that because we believe this book preserves the words of God in the English language. We didn't choose this Bible because of its simplicity. We chose it because of its accuracy. And though some may consider it to be difficult to read, all the most important things are very simple and given to us very clearly in this book. I've seen a list of 221 complete verses where every word in that verse is a one-syllable word. In fact, there are 916 verses in our Bible that other than names and numbers are only one-syllable words. I mean, think about that. Of the 31,102 verses in our Bible, that means almost 30% of them use only one-syllable words other than names and numbers. In fact, I personally believe our difficulty understanding the Bible is more a product of our lack of effort, our failure to become more proficient at English, or our failure to yield to the Spirit of God to teach us rather than the difficulty of this Bible. Have you ever really thought that for generations, people that you and I consider to be less educated understood this Bible just fine? Now after seeing these one-syllable verses, I became interested in great truths God chose to communicate in simple words. I'm not implying everything in the Bible is simple. That's not true. What I am saying is that all the most important things are very simply given to us. And so a few minutes this morning, and Lord willing, for the next few months of Sunday mornings, I want to talk together about great truths God communicates in simple words. Most of you are aware that Bobby Huggins was a coach of the UC Bearcat basketball for quite a long time. It was a winning program. Coach Huggins was known for coaching a group of young men who played very tough and very hard. Now, most of the basketball athletes coming out of high school with clean records went to blue blood schools like Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or Kansas. And so, Coach Huggins, in order to be able to compete, he had to be willing to recruit guys whose record wasn't spotless and squeaky clean. Uh, one of the players he recruited was a young man by the name of Dontonio Winfield. Uh, he was an All-American player. He fathered three children while he was still in high school. And while playing in Cincinnati, he was convicted of assaulting two police officers. I remember at the time, and uh, it was a long time ago now, but I remember watching on television an interview of his mother, Gloria, and here's what she said about her son, D'Antonio. He has a good heart. And I remember thinking, literally, at that moment when I heard his mother say that, I thought to myself, no, he doesn't. If you're able to stand, if you would stand this morning in honor of the Word of God, the title of my thought this morning is, no one has a truly good heart. No one has a truly good heart. Proverbs chapter 20 
In all one syllable words, a great truth, verse 9. Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. Thank you, might be seated. The book of Proverbs is filled with the wisdom of God. Mostly from the mind and pen of a man named Solomon. In fact, I wish every believer in Jesus would regularly read Proverbs to become wiser and have a better understanding of life as God views life. Now here, communicated with as simple as possible, one-syllable words is a great truth about the human heart. Now we've all heard people say, well, they have a good heart. And I know what people mean by that, but compared to what it really means to be good, no one has a good heart. Because of what God says about our heart, Jeremiah the prophet said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Because of the fallen condition of the human heart, uh, notice what the wise man said about our heart if you turn up a few pages to Proverbs 28. By the way, you should highlight or underline this in your Bible. It is a painful but great truth. Proverbs 28, verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. You ought to highlight the first phrase there. That, that is a, one of the strongest and most powerful negative words in the Bible is fool. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool because of the condition of the human heart go back to Proverbs chapter 4 you might be here and somebody has said to you well you have a good heart or you might have a good heart compared to most human beings but you don't have a good heart compared to what God defines as good Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Proud of it are the issues of life. Keep to guard to make sure you're guarding what goes in and what goes on. Uh, by the way, your ears and your eyes are the gates into your heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Proud of it are the issues of life. Because of the fallen nature of mankind's heart prior to the global flood, God said that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Because of the nature of our heart, Jesus said, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, and covetousness. Now, some of the worst advice anyone has ever given or anyone ever gets is follow your heart. By the way, if someone has ever told you that, understand they're giving you bad advice. If you have ever said that to somebody, you are giving them bad advice. Listen, I get that it sounds good on a card. I get that it sounds good in a Hallmark movie. I get that it sounds good to a weeping friend. But listen to me, follow your heart is really, really bad advice. I hope everyone here understands the condition of the human heart sufficiently to not give that kind of advice. And in fact, if you didn't understand that, I hope after today you will understand from this point forward. 
Hear me when I say failing to recognize the condition of the human heart has caused all kinds of errors in religion, errors in government, and errors in our own homes. Hear me when I say honest people recognize the darkness of your own heart. We see our own potential to fail. Honest people understand our inability to cleanse our own heart. We see the impurity that creeps in uninvited. Honest people know they should never completely trust their heart because they remember the times when they followed their heart to bad decisions, followed their heart to bad relationships, and followed their heart to sins against God. People have followed their heart into immoral relationships and bad marriages. People have followed their heart away from biblical churches to lukewarm and compromised ones. People have followed their heart to friends who influenced them away from God. People have followed their heart to bad jobs and bad career choices. People have followed their heart to terrible debt that crippled them for decades. People have followed their heart away from family and ministry that God intended them to keep in their life. Listen, honest people understand that we are not pure from our sins and that our heart is not perfectly clean regardless of how hard we try for it to be so. We all understand, if we're honest with ourselves, that though we can externally keep parts of our life pure for our season, our heart is never pure. Our heart is always in some way tainted by greed, pride, lust, and selfishness. And because the human heart is never perfectly pure or perfectly clean, hear me when I say no human being has a truly good work to offer their Creator for their salvation. Even our righteousnesses are described as filthy rags in the sight of a thrice holy God. Now despite the condition of human nature and of our heart being obvious to any honest person, many reject this simple truth to their own detriment. Did you hear me? Many reject this truth to their own detriment. The answer to the rhetorical question of the wise man that we read to begin our thought in chapter 20 in verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin? The answer to that rhetorical question is, no one can make their own heart clean and pure from sin. What I'd like to do this morning for a few minutes is make some observations and applications of the fallen condition of every human heart. Please first go back in your Bible to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, there was a controversy in some of the local churches over the place of Jewish works in being saved and staying saved. And Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem to speak to the apostles and elders there leading the church about that issue. The first observation, number one, it is only in trusting Christ as Savior that a human heart can be pure in God's sight. Notice in this conversation in Acts chapter 15 and verse 7, it said, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto the men and brethren, Ye 
Know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts. By the way, that's an interesting thought. Don't forget that. God knows your heart. People hear your words. People see what you do. God knows your heart. It says, And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. He's speaking about the Gentiles who believed in Cornelius' house. Verse 9, and he says, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. How did the Jews get their hearts pure in God's sight? Faith. How did the Gentiles get their hearts pure in God's sight? Faith. Listen, though our sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow through the saving grace of our Lord Jesus. Though our sins be red like crimson, they can be as wool by trusting the shed blood, sacrificial death, and resurrection of Jesus. Though none of us can purify our own hearts ourselves, God can and does when a sinner calls upon the name of Christ. Listen, that does not take away our fallen nature or deceitful heart. What it does is gives us a new nature to combat our old fallen one and a new heart with new desires to compete against the fallen and unregenerate desires of our unsaved heart. The only way to be righteous and pure in God's sight is to have the righteousness and purity of Christ in our account. If you're here this morning and you're unsaved, there's only one way to purify your heart in the sight of a holy Creator. You need to humble yourself. You need to admit your guilt and inability to keep the commandments of God. And you need to recognize that Christ died for your sins, rose again from the dead, and promised eternal life to those who would trust Him. And you must humbly choose to do that with a repentant attitude. You must call upon Christ by faith and He will purify your heart. Now, if you're here and you're already saved, you know what it's like to have a heart that's been changed by God. You have new desires. Listen, if you prayed some prayer at some point in time in your life and called it being saved, but there was no change to your heart, you were not saved. I get that the change in a five-year-old is not the same as a change in a 25-year-old, but any person who is truly saved has a heart that's been changed by Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you know what it's like to be forgiven and yet continue to battle the fallen heart that is a part of your old nature. If you're here and you're genuinely saved, you find things that come into your heart you still wish would never enter therein. If you're here and you're truly saved, you know what it's like to trust Christ instead of your own deeds because you know all your deeds are tainted in some way and impure to some degree and you need the purity that only comes through faith in Christ. Are you here this morning and need to call upon the Lord? Are you here this morning and not yet saved? Are you here this morning and you need to face up to the impurity of your own heart? Listen, we can dress the outside up just fine, but what we do on the outside does not change our heart. Only Christ can change a heart and make it pure in the sight of God. Anybody who trusts their own heart and trusts their own goodness instead of recognizing their tainted heart to trust Christ is being foolish. In fact, if you're here this morning, in just a few moments, if you haven't had Christ yet purify your hearts, 
you can respond in our invitation and give your heart to Jesus. He's interested in you. He knows where you've been. He knows your heart. He loves you and He wants to be your Savior. But you can't fool Him by placing your body in the right spot for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning. Only God purifies our heart. But it's not just that the only way to have our heart pure is through trusting Christ that we learn from this important truth given to us in simple terms. Please next turn up a few pages of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. It's not just the only way to have our heart pure is through Christ. Here's number two. Because of the incurable impurity of the human heart, man vainly tries to soothe his guilty conscience. Have you ever thought about all the things mankind does because his conscience is guilty? Notice in Romans chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. When our Creator made mankind, He gave us a conscience. And the human conscience bears witness to the basic commands of God. In other words, you are not going to kill somebody, commit adultery, take something that you know belongs to someone else, and walk away and feel good about yourself. I don't care if you have no biblical knowledge whatsoever, God placed that in every human being. He placed in every human being this desire to have a God. He placed in every human being this idea that you shouldn't lie. No human being walks away from doing those things and says, wow, you know what, I feel good about myself and what happens because of the human conscience, our thoughts, they either excuse us and we say, hey, there's nothing wrong with that or they accuse us and they say, hey, that's the wrong thing to do. And because God gave mankind a conscience and mankind has rebelled against God, man tries all of his own ways to soothe his conscience unsuccessfully. None of us can perfectly cleanse our heart before God. We know that. We have a conscience that bears witness to that. And according to Jesus, from the time of His resurrection and the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has been in the world, reproving the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Listen, you can watch all these overtly sinful people parading down the street and pretending like, hey, I don't feel bad at this at all. But understand, the reason they're so angry at people that disagree with them is because they're violating their conscience. And there is no amount of societal acceptance that will ever make them feel good about themselves violating basic moral laws of our God. They can say it out loud that they're not a guilty sinner. I have a good heart, but they know better inside. See, because of this simple truth about our heart, man makes himself religions of all sorts to, fool, to soothe his conscience. Have you ever really considered the fact that there are actually only two religions in our world? Not many religions, just two. 
One religion says, do this, and you can live forever. Now, the nameplate on the religion may change what they ask you to do, but it's all the same thing. Do the sacraments. Do baptism. Do catechism. Do fast one month a year. Do pray five times pointed towards Mecca. I mean, the do's change, but it's always do something. The only other religion is the religion of the New Testament, uh, the religion of the Lord Jesus Christ, which says it's been done. He paid it all. We don't do anything to be saved. Christ paid it all. We trust Him. We believe in Him. We receive Him and His finished work and accept His purity of heart. Religion has never soothed a conscience exposed to biblical truth. But it's not just that man to soothe his conscience makes religions of all sorts. Because of this simple truth about our heart, man redefines what it means to be sin. Listen, the Bible definition of sin is very clear. You break the laws of God and that is sin. That means there are negative laws, things God says don't do this, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. There are positive commandments that God made. Be kind, love one another, forgive. I mean, those commandments, when we break any commandment of God, God defines that as sin. And no amount of wordsmithing in our culture, no amount of saying, hey, living with somebody before you're married is not sinful, doing this is not sinful. Listen, no amount of word changing can soothe the human conscience. Listen, homosexuality and lesbianism will always be sinful. Drunkenness and adultery will always be sinful. Neglecting the house of God and the things of God for a Christian will always be sinful. Listen, selfishness, pride, greed, and lust will always be sinful. It does not matter how common it is in our society. It does not matter that other people call drunkenness a disease. Listen, it does not matter. It will not fix the human conscience. Our Creator defines right and wrong. In fact, there's probably people here this morning, and you need to come to Christ instead of continuing in the pig pen of life. And you're living in the pig pen of life. Because you believe the lies of our world that there's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing wrong with that and it doesn't matter if you do this and it doesn't matter if you do that. And you're sitting here this morning and you're riddled and broken with guilt and your life is falling apart because God made commandments for our own good. Just a second. Because of the simple truth of our heart, Christians need to recognize our potential to fall and fail. Listen, you might think to yourself, hey, I have a good marriage, I'll never fall. You better recognize the darkness in your own heart. So, hey, I'm committed to the Lord's church, to the Bible, to the things of God, I'll never fall away. You better recognize the darkness of your own heart. There's a reason that the 11 true disciples, when Jesus said that one of you will betray me, every one of those 11 who'd been close to Jesus said, Lord, is it I? 
See, they had been with the perfect one and they understood very clearly their own imperfections and they saw within their heart their potential to betray Christ, their potential to go astray, their potential to stop doing what they knew was right. And if you and I aren't careful about this basic truth about our own heart, we'll be careless. And you end up somewhere you never thought you'd be. Because of this simple truth, Christians need to regularly confess our own sins. Listen, to Christians it said if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would to God that we would just simply be honest with ourselves about what goes on in our life and what we allow in our hearts and minds and would change everything in our relationship with God. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, you know your own righteousnesses are inadequate. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, you recognize the up and down nature of your spiritual passions. If you're a believer in Christ and the Spirit of God lives in you, you understand your potential to fail. I'm not... Getting, trying to get you to recognize something that's so obvious, what I'm trying to get you to do is respond to the fact that you better be careful. You better not play with sin. You better not play with temptation. You think, well, that'll never happen to me. I'll never go there. I'd never do that. You better watch it. <clears throat> but it's not just that man vainly tries to soothe his guilty conscience because of the impurity of our hearts. Thirdly, this morning, because of the incurable impurity of the human heart, parents mishandle children and governments mishandle citizens. Hear me this morning when I say if you're a parent and you fail to recognize the fallen nature, the impure nature of your child's heart, you will never handle them well. Listen, I get it. There is nothing as beautiful or as easy to make you smile as the innocence of a child. It is just something to see how they behave and how they look at things and, and to see their innocence. But if that's all you see and you don't let yourself see that they also have an impure heart and a fallen nature, you will never handle them well. To their detriment. Listen, education cannot change the fallen heart and impure nature of a child. Only Christ can do that. Listen, the fallen nature of sweet, innocent children is the reason for several statements that many people ignore. How about this? Proverbs 29.15 The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. How about this? Proverbs 13.24 He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. How about Proverbs 22.15? It says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Listen, uh, parents who trust God, parents who believe God, parents who take their faith into every area of their life, you understand that your child is not just a sweet, innocent little bundle of joy, though they are that, they also have a fallen nature that God has placed you in the circle of their life to put a set of parentheses on to keep them from things that will ultimately hurt them. That's why you're there. I, I know. 
Some people take this too far, and uh, others t- so narrowly that they think spanking their child is the answer to every little thing. Uh, listen, I-, I don't agree with either one of those things, but I'm saying this. If you don't recognize the nature of your children, you will ruin them. Amen. By the way, I hope every parent and grandparent accepts and operates in the light of this biblical truth. Even the best and most innocent child still has a fallen nature and an impure heart. But it isn't just that parents mishandle children when they reject this. Governments mishandle citizens when they don't pay attention to this simple biblical truth about the human heart and they don't handle their citizens well. We may not like this, but there will always be a part of humanity who would take advantage of others unless some governmental authority protects the weak and innocent among us. Always. If you pay much attention to what goes on in the news, one of the things you'll notice is that things that fly under the banner of criminal reform has at its nature a rejection of this this rejection of human nature and impurity of heart. Listen, there have been a lot of big increases in crime in our country. And people who don't understand human nature and deny the biblical truth of our fallen nature, listen, they turn criminals loose instead of keeping them in jail. And then they're surprised by those criminals doing the same thing. Listen, there will always be a portion of our society who will need to be kept in check. It's a job of government. The reason socialism and communism have failed wherever they've been tried is because of fallen human nature. Listen, if you don't grasp what's going on in America around us as so much of our government tries to make America more socialist and more communist, that's all a rejection of a basic biblical truth. You see, at the foundation of what they're saying is that mankind, if they're properly educated and placed in the right environment, they will be good and they will work for the common good. Listen, that is a lie. It has never worked. It's a denial of human nature. Mankind will never, by and large, work for the common good as well as they will work for their own good. Listen, in this room are probably among the best citizens anywhere. And understand, the vast majority of the people in this room will work harder for yourself and your family than you'll work for some person you don't know a hundred miles away. This truth of the fallen nature of mankind and the natural impurity of the human heart and human's in themselves, being unable to change that nature, it is a foundational truth and God gives it to us in the simplest terms. I hope every parent and citizen in this room decides to operate in the light of this truth. But it's not just parents and governments who mishandle the people who look to them as they ignore human nature. Go last of this morning, please, your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4.
Here's number four. Because of the impurity of the human heart, even the heart of a Christian, we're invited to God on Christ's merit, not our own. Because of the impurity of the human heart, we're invited to God based on Christ's merit, not our own. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That's our profession of faith. It says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore... Now remember, when you read therefore in your Bible, you ask what it's there for. It's a linking word. So he's ready to link what he's going to say with what he just said. Because we have a high priest who's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Because he was tempted in all points like we are, yes, without sin. Notice therefore. He says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what the warm breeze of temptation feels like. He never gave in to it. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He felt the tug of human nature and He never gave in to it either in His heart or in His actions. He was tempted. He never sinned. By the way, if He had sinned, He couldn't die for our sins on the cross. So because of that, God invites us to come boldly to His throne, to find grace to help, to get good things we don't deserve, to find mercy, to not get bad things we uh, don't deserve. He doesn't invite us to come to His throne based on our merit. He invites us to come to His throne based on Christ's merit. Our God remembers that we are dust. Our God understands the tug of our fallen nature. He understands the influence of our fallen heart. He knows our desire to have friends and family and culture have us included. He knows and understands how easy it is to give in in those weak moments. So instead of coming to God because of our good heart, He invites to come to Him based on Christ's pure heart. Instead of coming to God based on our righteousness, he invites us to come to Him on Christ's righteousness. Listen, dear Christian brother and sister, you should pray confidently. You know the nature of your heart. You know what goes on. You know the things you battle. You know the things that come into your heart uninvited. And He doesn't say come because you've purified your heart. He says come because you have a high priest who is pure. A high priest who is righteous. Come because I've invited you to come on His merit, not your own. I never fall on my knees and look up to heaven and say, God, I've done this. Would you do that? Never. Never. I do the best I can to keep my heart right. James says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We're commanded to try to keep our hearts pure. I try to keep my heart pure. But I never, I never go to God and say, God, I've done this. God, I'm the pastor. God, I've tried to be a good husband. 
God, I've tried to be a good dad. I, never. Never. But I understand this. I'm invited to come because of who my Savior is. Everybody in this room, whether you're 12 or 92, if Christ is in your life, you are invited to the throne of God. You're invited to pray. God is interested in you. Don't say I'm too ashamed to pray. Listen, whenever you consider yourself honestly in the light of who God is, you can't be anything but ashamed. But when I consider who I am because of Christ in me, I can come boldly to His throne. And I can pray, God, please give me the message for Sunday morning and fill me with Your Spirit. I can go down our roster in the morning and I can pray for You by name. I can have things happen in my life and I have something that I wish God would do and I, I can go boldly to Him and ask. God may say yes, He may say no, but He never says no because my heart is not pure. My heart is as pure as it can humanly be. It's only truly pure in Christ. You can pray. You can come to God. Isn't that a great promise? Because of Christ's worthiness. Because of Christ's righteousness. Because of Christ's purity of heart. You and I have the privilege to go to God. And understanding this truth, this simple truth about our heart, it changes religion. It changes government. It changes society. It changes our homes. And it changes how we pray. If you'll believe this simple truth. Amen? If you'd quietly stand.